0: engaged. The suspect is scheduled to appear in court again in November. But right now it is time for Leland Vittert. Leland will have all the latest on the rush of migrants crossing the southern border leading to a state of emergency in some towns there as well as protests. I'm Elizabeth Fargus. We'll be right back here again tomorrow night. Same time. Hope you'll be back too.
1: the program tonight these are not your huddled masses column after column of men not families make a mockery of the southern border i mean you have to think that this is a part of some plan or strategy the anti-immigrant protests in new york that might change the conversation winning hand
0: to tell a 12 year old girl she must have the baby of her stepfather who raped her is unthinkable
1: Liberal groups hammer home new ads like this.
2: I'm your Republican congressman. We've banned abortion.
1: Can abortion save Democrats in 2024? Untrue romance. New warnings on what AI girlfriends are really doing to men. The last chapter in the demise of the American male. And clown show. I'm going to clown college. The college professor who harassed co-ads with his freaky fetish. Where they actually come up with their own face paint and makeup design. Why too often, colleges and universities pass a clown like this along with no regard for student safety.
3: No.
1: Welcome to the Ferris Show on television. Tonight, we have a stunning new case of hypocrisy on college campuses, and this one really lays bare the lie that colleges continue to push. Colleges say they're there to protect the students. Hogwash. We're going to introduce you tonight to Joseph Tokush. He had a rather strange fetish. He gave extra credit to students to let him paint their faces in clown makeup. People see a clown show like this and might think it is a laughing matter. Here are some of the faces he painted. But this story embodies the hypocrisy we are seeing on college campuses across America, where administrators talk tough on protecting the well-being of their students. They talk tough about protecting their students from sexual harassment or sexual assault. They talk tough about cracking down on the sexual harassers with their own judicial hearings. But when it comes to the professors, too often we see a policy of pass the harasser, where professors who are fired for sexually harassing students or other misbehavior are hired by another college, no questions asked. Because the college that fires a professor is so fearful of lawsuits from the guilty party that they fail to protect the innocent students at his or her next employer. It's not just state schools. It happened at Harvard in 2022 when the school was sued by three graduate students who say they were sexually harassed by a professor. A professor Harvard hired despite knowing he had sexually assaulted students at his old school. The Chronicle for Higher Education calls it higher education's, in their words, worst kept secret. Evidently, it took literally someone who likes clowns to expose it. Here now, associate research scholar, lecturer in politics and public affairs at Princeton University. Lauren, um, Lauren writes with us, Lauren, is it really as bad as this seems?
4: Well, I mean, look at the Department of Education's new guidelines that are part of the Violence Against Women Act. Colleges and universities actually do have to report summary statistics on sexual harassment findings as a result of their investigation. So you can find out if you want how common this is. But students don't know about the information unless a formal complaint was lodged and the person was fired, and that becomes part of the information about them at the next college, and that's not the policy everywhere. There needs to be a formal investigation. These students in this particular incident uh, didn't said they reported something to the college, but they didn't follow through with an investigation, and that's really the problem. Yeah,
1: there's these universities though that have gone overboard about believe all women, and we've we've covered extensively uh, how the the university quote unquote judicial process has been used to punish students, uh, kick them out. Even one kid was kicked out of Yale who had been found not guilty um, by a criminal court. But there seems to be so little done to protect students from known predators like this clown guy.
4: Well, a lot of colleges and universities have policies in place. Um, you know, and having to do a lot with Title IX and again the Violence Against Women Act, which now includes stalking, where they have to help students change their circumstances, whether it's academic, residential, transportation related, if they face this kind of behavior. But again, the you know, issue get, you're raising is the-, the burdens on the student. I get what you're saying.
1: No, no, but but there, there's there's a second part to this, right? It's that universities are so scared of lawsuits that they'll either well, fire a, a professor. Well, defamation or let her, lawsuit let
4: her... is a real thing. That's a serious concern that institutions should be concerned with. You can't share the private information of others.
1: You no, know, no, I, I get that. But what, I, what I'm curious about is is that it seems as though if you even did a cursory look at this guy's Facebook page or. Uh, his social media. Right. Before you hired him, you'd go, "This person has a really serious problem. You know, this is not normal behavior." Um, and as an institution that has young kids or you know young adults that they're supposed to look after and have a higher burden of care for than, say, an employer does, mm-hmm. y- you wouldn't you wouldn't hire this guy.
4: I mean, no I, mean, I would he not. Said, he no, said right there, "I have a face paint guy. fetish," but, but look, and I convinced you know. Hiring practices are extremely different at different institutions, and there's no standard of evidence for sexual misconduct that's consistent. There's not even a standard for investigations into misconduct. And so it's no surprise that students don't feel comfortable reporting even the most egregious behavior. However, they do have to report it for something to be done and a finding to come light, that's a violation of university policies,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, all right. Uh, we got to run. Thank you very much. Uh, It's good to see you. Um, Live pictures right now that we want to get to of Eagle Pass, Texas, just before sunset there, an estimated 4,000 illegal immigrants, mostly from Venezuela, will cross in the next 24 hours. Uh, That is very close to an all-time record for one day in one place. And the people coming look very different than before. It's large groups of military-age men, many from Venezuela and China. You might almost look at them as military columns. Homeland Security chairman from the House, Mark Green, ran the alarm bells about that last night.
3: So there are actual members who were in the People's Liberation Army, the People's Liberation Air Force. And they are here in the United States, released into the United States. You have to think that this is a part of some plan or strategy. You'd be foolish not to at least consider that.
1: All right, put that on one side, now look at this live picture of the Statue of Liberty that welcomed generation upon generation of immigrants. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. The golden door in America right now is wide open on the southern border. In the last 24 hours, Border Patrol reports capturing 9,344 people. That doesn't count the gotaways. An overwhelmed Border Patrol continues to release hundreds, if not thousands, every day on the streets of San Diego and other border towns. But they don't stay in border towns. This is Staten Island, New York, where protests continue against the influx of illegal immigrants there. This is video from last night. There's more protests tonight. The city that welcomed generations of new Americans now says they can't deal with the influx of immigration. And the immigration debate is changing in America, not just in New York. The bluest of cities nationwide have had it. What were sanctuary cities are now border towns, and it's getting worse. But as we look at these live pictures, we see something very different than the usual crisis at the border. The illegal immigrants coming across the border are totally different than those of even a couple of years ago, maybe even a couple of months ago. And the anti-immigrant protests in America are now totally different than those of past generations. Roughly two million Americans now come, roughly two million people now come to America illegally every year that we know about. Roughly the population of Houston, Texas. And yet the White House says there is nothing
0: to see. The president has done more to secure the border and to deal with this issue of immigration than anybody else. He really has.
1: Uh, that must come as news to New York's Democratic mayor. Mr. Biden refused to meet with Mayor Eric Adams during his trip to the Big Apple.
5: New York don't don't deserve this. The asylum seekers don't deserve this. And so while he's here, um, I think that they should really reflect on New York City has done this part.
1: The protests in Staten Island are just the beginning. This might be the first show you're seeing them on, but it will not be The last. The illegal immigration can bring New York to its knees, the rest of American cities are not that far behind. Scott Lobido is here. He's one of the organizers of the protests in Staten Island. Scott, we appreciate you being here. Look, the border the border crisis has been going on for a couple of years. I was down there two years ago reporting on it. Um, why now? Why these protests now in New York?
2: Because it's this, you know, look, uh, uh, Texas is ground zero for the invasion, Okay. But Staten Island is ground zero for the fix because it is infiltrating the working, residential, middle-class communities where schools of young children, young girls, pre-K to 12, and they're putting in these young adult males, okay, understand that, who are not vetted. This is the key. Forget about everybody saying that we're, you know, anti-immigrant and all of that, which is bull, because we know we're not. Okay, you can't bring in millions and millions and millions of young men of military age who have not been vetted or checked for pedophilia, rape, murder, viruses, diseases, and plant them into this working community where children right there, playgrounds right there. There's a school right up the street here. People live right here and right there. This was a senior citizen home. We could use it for our own homeless, for our senior citizens. Who are out and who don't have anywhere to go? This uh, so is Scott, by design. This administration, this president, and I've realized it. And anybody out there who doesn't realize this, you need to get your head examined. This is being purposely done to bring and look, put these I, people. I, in I, am not going to argue with you that I'm not going to argue with you that the border is
1: purposely open. I mean, we've, we've reported on that extensively over the past couple of years. But I'm thoughtful about, about how close you are to Ellis Island. Just, I don't know why it's personal to me because my, my uh, ancestors, my grandmother, came through Ellis Island. And there were people who said the same thing you're saying about my, my grandmother and uh, great-grandparents, uh, that you're saying about these folks. And I'm wondering if there's a reason
2: you feel that it's different now than then. Uh, Listen, I'm not even going to respond to that question, okay? Because what did I just explain to you? We have a system here. Everybody is welcome. I come from immigrants. Everybody in this crowd comes from immigrants. But we came here through a system, and the system is busted really bad. It's really bad. And it starts with our mayor who welcomed them in because it's a sanctuary city. All these sanctuary city enthusiasts are not so enthusiastic anymore. Okay? This is insane. We have a system, and everybody who's crying, where's the humanity, where's the Christianity for Where's the humanity of Christianity at the border for the little kids that are drowning in a river, crossing a river, or the fentanyl deaths across this country? Where's the Christianity and humanity for that? I'm tired of hearing people saying that we're not humanitarians and Christians. This is bull, and it's going to stop. And Staten Island is the ground zero that is going to make it stop because we're going to be out in the street every night Peacefully, because that's what Big Brother notices, and that's how things change. So, America, get out in the street and do what we're doing. They will Scott, change let me, let let me just ask you, because they're not used to seeing working people in the street.
1: I think you're right. You've gotten a lot of people's attention by, by talking about this and staying up for this. we reported on it a lot in Chicago. Um, our ben Bradley at w, uh, WGN in Chicago just found a $29 million contract from the city that offers new details on 10 cities planned for Chicago migrants. Uh, three meals a day, laundry, daily child care and van transportation to the school or doctor. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to 10 cities in Chicago during the winter. That's, uh, we'll have more on that tomorrow. I, I just got about 30 seconds, and I want to give you the last word here. Um, Eric Adams did invite all of this, and you know, he talked about how New York is a sanctuary city and is going to welcome any, everybody. Do you think that it can change now, or is it too late? These folks are there already. There's,
2: there's thousands, not- if not hundreds of thousands of people on the border who, who've heard this already. It's going to get worse before it gets better. We are waiting for the judge's decision on the court hearing about closing down the one at Villa. Okay, right next to that school. Because the mayor does not have the authority to call an emergency order. This is not a natural disaster. It's a man-made disaster created by him and the people and the Biden administration. The mayor is responsible for this. So he has no right to call an executive order or an emergency order to tell us what to do and put the burden on the working people of this beautiful, once beautiful city. The shame with him. So what's the answer, Scott? You're, you're, out, you're out in the streets. I understand you're angry, um, and you make some great points in the terms of what— is we have plenty of— First of all, close the effing border. Number one, every day it's the top story, and the Biden administration, Biden, he's in the city right now. All week, he, not, he didn't mention it once. or well, sit down with the mayor to discuss this. This is, this is one of the worst things to happen to this country with this administration. People stop voting locally. You saw what De Blasio did to the city, and this guy's ten times worse. When are you people going to learn? You get what you deserve, is what they say. Smart enough, people.
1: I gotta go. Scott, Scott look, I, 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 I hear you, and I'm, I'm watching. Okay, looks, looks like we're losing Scott. Um, he's heading over to the protest, so we'll, we'll check back in with him. Uh, it's pretty interesting to see the emotion that now is happening. And it makes you understand why for so long we have been covering the issues at the border. You think about what is happening in New York. We'll put the live pictures up when we can of Eagle Pass. Um, You see what's happening uh, there. And you think about the number of people who have come to New York and the problems that it's causing in New York that Scott talked about. And then you think about towns like Eagle Pass that are having double and triple the number of people coming into their city with one One hundredth of the population of New York, and now you understand what border communities, what true border communities in America have been going through for the past couple of years. But what you just saw in New York, the fact that there are now protests in the streets about this and the point that Scott made about working class Americans, uh, especially in cities now having the same fears and the same anger that we saw uh, in middle America, in rural America about the border issue over the past couple of years, what we're seeing is significant. Things are changing, uh, and the border issue is now becoming a wedge issue, not just uh, for the presidential campaign, uh, but it's now becoming an issue in America's bluest cities. That's significant. And the pictures you're seeing, as he said, and as Scott said, and he's right, from having covered the border for so long, the pictures you're seeing in Eagle Pass, Texas, are just the beginning. It will get worse uh, if it can ever get better. It will be a big issue in the coming election, and that's a problem for Democrats. But they do have an, an ace in their hand, if you will. There is growing evidence that the abortion issue might be their last chance to save things in 2024, and they are going all in.
6: I won the last election. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just gonna watch
5: and make sure you don't do anything illegal.
1: And how AI girlfriends could be the final act in an ongoing drama, the demise of the American male is almost complete. Is there any hope?
4: Are you falling in love with her?
6: Sorry, you freak. My daughter was raped. And you're not going to do anything? I'm sorry. They'll put us all in prison if we do the procedure. He's right. I'm your Republican congressman. We've banned abortion.
2: No exceptions. She's just 12 years old. I'm not letting you destroy her life. I won the last election, so it's my decision. I'm just going to watch your daughter and make sure she doesn't do anything illegal.
1: All right, that's the newest ad from the Progress Action Fund. It's the same group behind an equally compelling ad in Ohio that helped defeat a pro-life ballot initiative this August. Many credit just one ad for driving 2.8 million people to the polls in Ohio. That's almost double the 1.6 million who showed up for the midterm elections in 2022 that included a contentious Senate and governor's race. For a Democratic Party struggling with the economy and questions about Mr. Biden's age, abortion uh, is a loan. Bright spot, Joe Jacobson, founder and executive director of the Progress Action Fund, was behind both of these ads and joins us now. Uh, we we appreciate it. Um, look, it is an incredibly compelling ad, um, searing in every way. You think it's really fair, though? That's not where almost every Republican is. There's very very few who believe that.
3: I would say it's definitely fair. You have people like Doug Mastrano. You know, we're running this ad in Pennsylvania um, for the upcoming elections in uh, November. And then you have people like Dr. Oz, last cycle, who said these decisions should be between a doctor, the family, and a local politician. And then you have the Supreme Court candidate out there, Carolyn uh, Carluccio, who says that all life should be protected under the law. So Republicans are extreme, and that's not what voters want
1: we' we'll, we'll put it aside for one second just in terms of who the, the, the extremes on both sides which exist on on this issue nobody when you have a discussion about abortion especially on television has that VA moment and goes aha I have now watched this segment on TV and I'm changing my mind one way or the other it just doesn't happen but this ad the ad in Ohio did something to the electorate it, it, it changed the turnout model in an incredible way so if it's not changing minds, What's it doing?
3: Well, I certainly think it's doing two things, and that's kind of why we came up with the ad content. It's both getting people to the uh, the polls. You know, like you mentioned, we had record turnout in Ohio, but it is also changing minds. I think there were about 15 counties in Ohio for the August elections that voted for President Trump back in 2020, but then voted no to protect reproductive rights uh, in August. So I think this ad does both persuasion and turnout
1: fascinating. All right. So you're running this ad now. Give us your predictions for 2024.
3: I think reproductive rights is going to be top of mind for voters. Um, It was in 2022. It has been so far in 2023. And like you and I talked about last time, uh, I don't think Republicans are going to change their perspectives. You know, they're beholden to their base. That is very pro-life. A pro-choice candidate couldn't make it out of a GOP primary. And I think Democrats are going to win because we're the only ones listening to the voters on this issue.
1: Yeah, you're also the ones who've been able to define the field of battle, which, uh, as you know in politics, is about 99% Uh of the war. Uh, Look, Joe, I I appreciate you being willing to come on and have the conversation. It's a fascinating one always. Uh, Agree or disagree with you, sort of the way you guys have defined this and changed the electorate is something everybody needs to pay attention to. So thank you, Um, and we we appreciate you keeping your word that you came back to us and showed us the ad first. Um, We're going to keep holding you to that promise as uh, the election goes on, all right?
3: Absolutely. There are multiple places where you don't want your Republican congressman. So we'll be in touch with our next sequel.
1: (laughs) I would imagine so. It's good to see you. Thank you. Uh, You can add AI girlfriends to the list of reasons young American men fail to launch, and they're failing to launch at higher and higher rates. One AI, artificial intelligence company, reports charging young men between $20 and $100 a month to interact with their online girlfriend that is really just a software program. As described in the movie Her,
6: the woman that I've been seeing, Samantha, she's an operating system.
5: You're dating an OS? What is that like? <laughs> it's not really
6: I feel really close to her. Like when I talk to her, I
1: feel like she's with me. She's actually a software program. It's creating a generation of young men who have no interest in dating real women because they can sit in their basement and talk to their fake girlfriends. Statistics bear that out. Men in their 20s are more likely than women to be romantically uninvolved, sexually dormant, friendless, and lonely. Men represent 62% of dating app users. Liberty Vittert, host of MIT's Data Science podcast, Data Nation, is here, also professor of data science. It's hard to imagine this is a real thing. I'm granted, it's even odder to be talking about it with my sister, but we'll we'll put that aside. Can we draw a corollary between these sort of online relationships and young men having some real social
0: problems? We can draw a direct relationship between these two things. This isn't just a few guys in their basement doing this. There are millions of users who have AI girlfriends and who don't have relationships with real women. It's not like they have both. They are not having relationships with real women. And you can see this constant change in young men's relationships. 60% of men under the age of 30, between the ages of 18 and 30, are now single, compared to 30% of women so that's how is that how is that
1: possible because it takes two to tango
0: it takes two to tango but young women are dating much older men which is causing big issues with birth decline in the united states because we're not having as many children so there's this huge consequence of something that seems as silly as an ai girlfriend that it's showing it's enabling this entire group this entire generation of young men to not date real women to not get married to them and then not have children with them
1: All right, so what is it about AI girlfriends that young men, because AI girlfriends and real girlfriends are are decidedly different things, what is it about young men that suddenly are interested in this online, virtual, whatever you want to call it, relationship and have completely been turned off to... Real relationships.
0: This, what you have to understand is that the word AI is very important here. It's not just a virtual relationship, it's an AI relationship, which means this AI bot, this girlfriend, can learn from you. It learns what you like and what you don't like. So you end up having this hot, super supportive, wonderful 24 7 hour, 24 7 girlfriend that agrees with you all the time, that supports you all the time, and has learned through data what you like and what you don't like. So you almost have this perfect relationship sound like I'm doing an ad for this company but it's having real consequences we have 600,000 less births annually than we did 15 years ago in the United States
1: men's mental health 6 plus uh, million men suffer from depression a year 18% suffer from uh, some form of mental illness men make up 80% of all suicides what is this what is the difference here between young men 18 to 30 and sort of like sleazy old guys here why is this so important now for young men
0: It's very clear why it's important because these young men are not going to have relationships. So is
1: is this the the natural continuation of guys who in their preteens and teens are playing video games in their basement and having relationships online with their gaming buddies? They don't really understand how to interact in real life with, with normal people and at school with friends and everything else. So the AI girlfriend who's perfect, who is always supportive, is suddenly a lot more appealing.
0: You would think that that would be the only group, but I think what's scarier here is that's not the only group. It's also young men that that don't necessarily always play video games. It's millions and millions of young men. This was exacerbated by COVID, and now we have not seen people come out of it. They are still lonely. They are still alone, and they are now turning to these AI girlfriends. Okay,
1: so what is it about the psychology of young men if we figured out why young men are so much more susceptible to this than young women?
0: Uh, Oh, well, young women tend to be more social in general. If you look at the statistics behind it, you see that women will have more close friends, will have more larger groups of friends, and therefore aren't as susceptible to these online relationships as men are. I mean, I don't want to say women are just better than men, but it's kind of a M.
1: Okay, well, we'll end it there, so we don't have to argue about that. Liberty, thank you. Fascinating pitch, and I think the way you you frame it about the the sort of societal effects. And also, you then have a lot of young men who actually then have no idea how to interact in real life, which is a a whole different problem that we've seen come about. Fascinating. All right. Uh, Next, today everybody was talking about Jim Jordan, Kevin McCarthy, and Donald Trump. Nobody was talking here in Washington about Joe Biden's age. That is a huge win for Democrats. There is a reason Republicans keep throwing Mr. Biden a life preserver every time he starts to tread water.
6: We've been uh, friends for, I've checked it, over 40 years. And uh, our friendship goes a long way and can take us a long way.
1: Rule number one in politics, Republican, Democrat, Smurf party, whatever it is, when your opponent is drowning, you don't throw him a life jacket. Yet Republicans do it over and over and over. Just as Democrats have started to turn on Joe Biden on the age issue and on the economy, Republicans can't help themselves. Impeachment, Senator Tuberville's blockade of high ranking military promotions, threats to shut down the government with predictable hysteria from the media. Both House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell have lost any control of the craziest among them. George Will with us now, News Nation senior political contributor and Pulitzer Prize winning columnist. Look, you've even got a UAW strike when Union Joe's president and Republicans can't capitalize.
6: What's going on? In 1962, during the New York Mets first season, they were put together from the scraps and rejects of other teams, and they were losing 120 games. At one point, their manager, Casey Stengel, looked down the dugout and said, can't anyone here play this game? I think the Republicans right now are the New York Mets of politics. The American people aren't asking that much from government, but minimal competence, past budgets... Get on with things, and instead they get this circus that leaves the American people embarrassed and exhausted.
1: Two things that the American people don't really like being: uh, congressional approval. Only thing worse than Biden's approval, except for Kamala, is 19% approve of Congress's job. 78% disapprove. Uh, noteworthy, we did not put the media's approval um, up there. <laughs> Th- this would be the question. Then why don't they? Why don't they vote the bums out?
6: Because the, the, the party has a tiny majority in the House of Representatives, and the tiny majority is part of an extremely angry group of people who don't want to split the difference. To them, politics is 100 percent or nothing. Yeah, compromise is a dirty word. They don't subscribe to Reagan's view, look, if I can get 80 percent, I'll take it and come back for the another 20 percent later. That's not how they think.
1: I think about even somebody like Chip Roy, member of the House Freedom Caucus, staunch conservative, about as far right, really, um, as you get. Last night, even, he was saying that he doesn't support the stupidity among his own members. Take a listen.
3: The reason I was supportive of putting forward a proposal that would have advanced spending for literally 30 days with an 8% cut to federal spending and to the federal bureaucracy and move the H.R. 2 border security bills because, Sean, my state of Texas is under assault. People are dying. People are dying from fentanyl poisoning. Little children are getting sold in the sex trafficking trade. And I wanted to hang that around Chuck Schumer's neck. And
1: now the government's likely to shut down and the media will predictably blame it on Republicans.
6: Rightly, in this case. Ronald Reagan once joked about a government shutdown. Let's shut it down to see if anyone notices. Well, they notice.
1: Well, they notice also because the media loves to make it sure. a, a point to hang around
6: Republicans' neck. Competence is what they make. Man, people aren't asking for much from mm. government. They just like to get, get the trains run sort of on time. The, the one
1: other issue that we didn't put in terms of w- things that are going in Republicans' direction, at least politically, is the issue of the border. Um, and we have the live pictures from Eagle Pass where there's 4,000 or so Venezuelans and other uh, men of military age with tight haircuts uh, lined up. Uh, some from China and other places, uh, their intentions are unknown. But these are the kind of pictures that would fuel a, a real push towards Republicans. We're seeing this these protests in Staten Island, uh, of all places, uh, about illegal immigration. It, it feels like, in terms of opportunity, there probably has never been a better one for Republicans.
6: This is one where the Republicans, not even the Republicans, are are so ham-handed that they're going to be able to kick this issue away, because this issue is coming home to people, literally, far from the border. Staten Island is a long way from the southern border. And in every American metropolis, this is going to be a vote-driving issue, and not even the Republicans can kick away.
1: True, although you say they want competency. I guess Republicans simply is promising to do better. They did that during the 2022 election. So far, nothing's happened in the border. I'm I'm interested, though, and we had somebody from the protests on, and I said, why now, To the guy, right? The border's been open for a couple of years. Uh, the, the border states and border communities that we've reported on have been dealing with the problems that Staten Island's dealing with day in, day out for two years. Nobody, nobody seemed to care. You now have protests in New York City. Now? Does this change the Biden administration's calculus or will they they continue on?
6: Oh, I think the Biden administration can calculate that this is a disaster. They just don't know what to do about it, particularly because a city like New York was proudly flaunting its virtues as a sanctuary city until the people seeking sanctuary showed up, at which point the fun stopped.
1: I'm wondering if this is a little if there is an A parallel situation going on with the unions, right? Because you've got a situation where even in Staten Island and and in New York, deep blue city, you have these competing... Interest within the Democratic Party there, especially when it comes to sort of working class Americans. It's the same thing you've got going on with the UAW strike. You've got the competing interest of working class union workers, the Democrats court. And then you've got the competing interest of the climate change progressives who demand electric vehicles and all the things the UAW hates. Exactly.
6: And the UAW, remember this is a a partial strike at this point. They're not even striking all of the factories of the big three, the so-called big three. And the so-called big three aren't so big anymore, Leland. This is a small part, this is 150,000 people out of a workforce that's enormously larger than it was when the UAW had 1.5 million members. We are turning out automobiles fast all over the South.
1: So so we, we put all this together, you know, obviously when there's infighting, uh, the crisis represents opportunity and danger uh, for the Biden administration, opportunity and danger when it comes to the UAW strike, opportunity and danger when it comes to the border, inaction normally means and leads to more danger. Are Republicans going to keep screwing this up? Is there, is there any adults in the room who can actually sort of lay down
6: the law? No. The, okay. the law can't be laid down by McCarthy, who is five votes away from someone filing a vacate-the-speaker motion. One person can do that and trigger another row that will take us back to where we were at the beginning of the year when it took him 15 votes to get and then, majority and his own people.
1: And then obviously Mitch McConnell has his own issues as well in terms of trying to lead and rally and corral. Uh, well, at least I would say it was an honest assessment of where Republicans are at. Herding cats. <laughs> it's good to see you Mr. Will, as always. Sir. You. Thank you very much. Coming up next, first it was Alan Dershowitz. Now it's Elon Musk. Larry David is calling out the Tesla billionaire for his newfound enthusiasm for the Republican Party. Why does everybody love to hate Elon Musk?
5: Just, I'm just saying this as a friend. You really have a little ways to go when it comes to dealing with people.
1: She went after Alan Dershowitz for daring to live among the liberal elite on Martha's Vineyard. Now Larry David of Seinfeld fame has his sights set on Elon Musk. According to a new book by Walter Isaacson, Larry confronted Musk at the wedding of a Hollywood bigwig last year in Saint Tropez. Apparently, Mr. David believes that destination weddings on the water are the place for political conversations. David reportedly confronted Musk saying, do you just want to murder kids in schools? Musk, understandably, was baffled by David's attack and told him he was anti-kid murderer. David countered with, then how could you vote Republican? Chris Cuomo is here. I guess this is where America is right now. Uh, You can't even go to a wedding and have civil conversation with people.
5: Even in Central Park. Or it's about Larry David. And Larry David is, I guess, I don't know him, but I know people who know him well. He... Is one of the guys who went after Dershowitz on the Vineyard. And so I think this is as much about him as it is him being, you know, a metaphor for the rest of us. You know, sometimes I think you just call out somebody who goes too far and let's just keep it on him. You know what I mean? I'll tell you what's bothering me. Larry David wants to go at Elon Musk. That's fine. My problem is when people choose to be outraged and over what you know, that's the big part of our show tonight is I can't believe there's not outrage over what we're covering tonight, which is this latest death from fentanyl, which was a kid in a daycare center. It is one yeah, well, of our the story greatest the, failure.
1: The, yeah. No, the story in the Bronx is crazy in, in terms of that. And they, they were running a, a literally the, the daycare was a front for the, the drug thing. I know I know you uh, Bill O'Reilly's fired up about that. We want to see that. Um, but I, I want to get back to this whole concept with Elon Musk, because Elon Musk has become public no, enemy number one on the left, uh, which is funny because he was the champion of the left with the guy with the electric cars and everything else. He's putting rockets into space. He's made a, a lot of retirees and a lot, anybody who has a 401k, a lot of money with Tesla stock because of how many people mm-hmm. own it through the S&P 500. Why is he such a boogeyman now?
5: Because the culture wars are very capricious. And what plays to advantage shifts very quickly and often arbitrarily. And when he was doing what they liked, he's great. And when they're doing what he doesn't like, he's the devil. And to help people, Elon Musk likes to court controversy. I don't know that it works for Twitter or X or whatever he's calling it now. Uh, but he has certainly put himself where it seems he wants to be, which is often in the crosshairs. Uh, what it will do for him, we'll see. Yeah,
1: I, I guess he... he you he like read, you know answer. he he I don't know if I don't like your answer. I, what I just can't figure out is the level, the, the level of vitriol against him. And if, it, if it's not more personal, if there's something about him now that kind of offends the liberal sensibilities because they don't feel like they control him anymore, he's now nah, sort of broken away it. and cast off the chains.
5: Don't overthink it. When you're talking about partisans, especially when you start playing to the fringes, Most of this outrage is manufactured for advantage. It's feigned outrage, and it fades into the next so quickly. There's nothing sustained about it. This is not about principle. It's not about ideas. It's not about philosophy. It's about practicality in the moment. That's all.
1: Yeah, I, it, it feels though that the, the, somehow Elon Musk occupies a large space in the mind of the left because for so long they controlled Twitter, now he does and they don't like that. It, it's almost personal. Well, look, maybe. I, I hear you, I hear you about, I hear you that there is this idea of sort of feigned outrage and everybody plays the game and I know on, I look, that's one of the things I love about your show that you talk about the game and you expose the game. I'm wondering if Elon Musk isn't the game anymore, if it's actually that he's kind of offended, he, that there's something about it now, about him that now personally gets it at people.
5: Well, that's the genius of the game is that it's become personal. See, that's the genius. Ah. Once you start taking it out of the world of ideas and of solutions and of actions and make it just about feelings, boy, oh boy, is that an easier state of play. Imagine if you and I could Ah. just do our job on the basis of playing on emotions. I wanna show you a picture that's gonna make you happy. Now I'm gonna show you a picture that's gonna make you sad. That's much easier than trying to deal with the world of ideas and Mm -hmm. rationales and solutions. Uh, That is low percentage ball. And our politics has become all about what's easy. And It's easy to hate and to demonize and to target. It's just that Elon Musk is helping him out because he likes the energy.
1: Yeah, well, he he feeds into it. He enjoys it, clearly. He enjoys it. I was just saying, say, you missed. You had a happy picture, sad picture. I'll give you one more picture, which is angry. Uh, and, I, and look, the the story, the fentanyl story you're going to cover is going to make it a lot of people angry, and rightfully rightfully so. We'll see you. uh Chris, I'm off uh, Thursday, Friday. I'm going to see you on uh, Monday. I'll miss our conversations.
5: Listen, I hope you enjoy your time. You will be missed. All right. We'll see you soon. Thank you, sir. Uh, The junior senator from Pennsylvania
1: says he'll buy and wear a suit if Republicans don't shut down the government. He, of course, has some language that's uh, a little questionable when he makes that pledge. We'll cover uh, John Fetterman's new promise. Plus, uh, some new reporting on that F-35 that crashed and the military lost. That plane did something that no plane that someone ejected from has ever done, ever Is it possible somebody else other than the pilot was in control of that F-35 when we come back? Let's review the facts of the crashed stealth fighter. Three days later, we still don't know how the military lost one of their F-35 jets for more than a day. We don't know why it kept flying for 80 miles after the pilot ejected. That is not supposed to happen. It's supposed to crash after a pilot ejects. That's what every other plane that a pilot has ejected from has ever done. We don't know why the $140 million stealth jet eventually crashed. We don't know why the pilot ejected. The military calls it a mishap. Witnesses that we're now hearing from call it terrifying.
5: I was in the uh, in the
6: bathroom taking a shave and I heard a, a screeching I saw that between a screech and a whistle, I said, what in the world is this? And I heard a boom in my whole house.
1: There's a huge boom. One thing is certain, the mystery is renewed warnings from some inside the armed forces about the F-35, specifically the F-35B, which is used by the Marines. You see it there. It can take off and land vertically. It also has an auto ejection seat, meaning that the pilot can be ejected without manually pulling the ejection handle. That is wild. So we don't actually know if the pilot ejected. This is how it usually happens. Pilot ejects themselves when there is no hope of regaining control of the airplane, which was the case in this video you can see taken during a crash in Michigan Air Show over the summer. But this week's lost plane, the F-35B, flew another 80 miles without the pilot. Again, the military is not talking about this. The only thing we do know is that the entire Marine Aviation Division, all Marine pilots have stood down for two days. It says a lot.